0: Welcome to the EOSmith Smith Sports Talk
1: Podcast. And now, here's your host, Brendan Raider. Welcome into episode 18 of the EOSmith Smith Sports Talk Podcast. We're going to talk some NFL, some college hoops this week during the NCAA tournament coming up. And we're going to talk a little bit about soccer, but first we're going to start in the NFL as always. I'm joined by Leon, Parker, and Alex. We've got a great segment here. It's a busy week, one of the busiest weeks of the year now. Free agency starts, I believe, this Friday. Um, a lot of players being cut with the reduced salary cap this year. Um, just to mention a few: Richie Incognito, Gabe Jackson, Alex Smith, Golden Tate, Malcolm Butler, Desmond Trufant. I mean, there's just so many guys that have been released. That's just to name a few. Um, and then Dak Prescott and the Cowboys got a four-year, one hundred sixty million dollar deal done. That's a big deal. That's one we've kind of been waiting for for a while. I don't think there's much to talk about. I mean it seems like a good deal for both sides. So let's talk about those free agents. I mentioned a couple. Parker, in your opinion, who's the best available free agent now after um, all these releases?
2: Well, best available free agents, not one that got released, but I think it's Aaron Jones. I mean, he's a dominant running back, and I think whatever team he lands on is going to go right into their starting lineup and get some good production.:
1: Leon?
3: It has to be Kenny Galladay not getting tagged. Kenny Galladay has been playing up Calvin Johnson number for his first 23 games of the first like years in Detroit. I feel like he's the best receiver on the free agent market, and any team with neither free agent needs to go after him.
1: Yeah, I personally believe it's Trent Williams, the left tackle from the Niners. I think he's the best left tackle in all of football right now. And for that guy to hit the open market without being tagged, without a contract extension yet, um, that's definitely. The, the name I'm watching, I could see him getting a, a three-year deal. I mean, he's, he's what, 32, but he still has years in him, and he came back as the best tackle in football, I, I believe, so I think he will get paid as such. Let's go to another tackle. Trent Brown's on the move. He was one of the terrible signings from the Raiders, but when healthy, he can be one of the best tackles in the league. He was traded to the Pats for basically a fifth rounder in 2022. Parker, is this a good trade for the Pats or a better trade for the Raiders?
2: Obviously, it's a good trade for the Pats. I mean, you're getting a good left tackle for next to nothing. They're giving, what, a fifth round pick? So, but I do think I agree with what you said. He needs to show that he's worth it. I mean, it's really, you don't have to be worth much, but I think he'll be good for the Pats, and I think he needs to be.
1: Leon, is this the move that um, changes your outlook on the Patriots off season? Because for me personally, I look at it as, wow, that's an aggressive move. You go get a tackle that can be very elite. You. You get rid of Joe Tooney and you upgrade, in my opinion, for Trent Brown. You give up nothing. You reduce his salary. Is this a move that makes you think, "Wow, the Patriots with a couple more moves and a quarterback obviously has to come in"? Um, could they become a contender?
3: Oh, I don't, I don't believe so. I believe they need a quarterback. They, they have a they had a goal, good O line last year, and look what look what happened. The defense is too old, and they need to bring in a quarterback. They need to get be aggressive on quarterback, and not the offensive line.
4: Yeah, I'm with on here, like. What will really change my opinion about the Patriots is is if they get a good quarterback this offseason, like whether it's through the draft or free agency or a trade or something like that for like Mario or whoever it is, whatever quarterback they decide to go after. Cam Newton cannot be the starter next year, and there's no chance that that they're going to be a playoff team. I don't care who's around Cam Newton. It's not happening. There's no chance that they're able to acquire the weapons that they need this offseason. I mean, wide receivers want to play, wide receivers want to make money and running backs want to make money, but they also want to play for a quarterback in an offense that's like relatively good. Cam Newton threw the ball into the dirt 90% of the time when he's throwing to his receivers last year. No receiver wants to go to New England and have Cam Newton throwing you the ball. So they need the quarterback needs to be the primary target for the for the Patriots this offseason, so that they can attract some of their some more high value free agent wide receivers.
1: But we've seen the 49ers. I mean, they've engaged in talks with Teddy Bridgewater. They're talking about moving up in the draft for Mac Jones or Trey Lance. We've seen they're clearly not satisfied with Jimmy G, despite maybe what their GM is saying. I mean, GMs will always say they support their quarterback. But I think if the Niners, which it seems like they are, are trying to get rid of Garoppolo, the Pats can get them for cheap, you know, a third, fourth round pick. And you know what he brings. You know what Jimmy Garoppolo brings to your system. You know he knows the system pretty well. I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be a great replacement. They can get back to the Tom Brady esque playbook. They have one of the best offensive lines in football now. The running game is always pretty solid. In my opinion, it's going to take a guy like Kenny Galladay or a Corey Davis or a Will Fuller. If they can get a receiver, we know the defense is good. Now they're old, yes, but if they can re sign Stefan Gilmore, they were the best defense in the league two years ago. So, that with that offensive line, the run game's always solid. I think they need a receiver and maybe Jimmy G who will be cheap. I think they could turn that around pretty quickly. Um, how about for the Raiders side of this? I think it was what 2019. They signed Antonio Brown to a three year, $50 million deal. He didn't play a game for them. Tyrell Williams, four year, 44 million. He played two years. Well, he played one year pretty much and cut after two years. Lamarcus well, Joyner, four years, 42 mil. Only played two years. Trent Brown, four years, 66 mil. You know, he just got traded to the Patriots. So, all these huge signings in 2019, not one of them panned out. Alex, is this something to worry about for Gruden and Mayock in Las Vegas?
4: Uh, n- no, not really, not for me. I think, I think Mike Mayock is a, is a pretty good GM. I mean, he's great. He's made some some pretty good selections when it comes to the draft. I think you just kind of they they need a few years to kind of get their feet under them and establish themselves and figure out how they want to run their their organization and what players they want in house and out of house. Um, and so I think that's kind of what these first, whatever, two, three, however many years it's been with John Gruden have been is figuring out what we like here, who we want to bring in here, what type of players we want to bring in here and kind of experiencing and, and, and kind of tooling around with that a bit, if you will. So I think they're going to figure it out. They're going to, uh, they're going to start making some, some surefire decisions in free agency and in the draft. And uh, I don't think you can look at Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams and say, what's going on with the Raiders. I think it's just, you know, growing pains for this Raiders team.
1: Parker? I think Parker froze on us. Leon, your opinion on if the Raiders are in trouble when you see, what, four or five signings that none of them panned out in big money names? Yeah, John Gruden Mike, Mike Mayock is just a name. They're not really good
3: at their job. They're just a name. And uh, they they have been making bad signings throughout the years. They traded Khalil Mack to free up... Uh, money for these signings and these signings haven't done, done anything for them. So I yeah. believe.
1: I agree that this is a problem. I'm not sure that we could say Mike Mayack and John Gruden aren't good at their jobs. I mean, they have drafted pretty well. Alex mentioned they've had a, a bunch of um, a lot of good players on the roster. You look at Josh Jacobs and Ruggs and you know, all of these guys on the offensive line, but they're right now they just released what two of their start, they're two good starting guards. They just traded their tackle away. I mean, you look at this team; it's it seems like they're falling apart. They just cut their slot corner, Tyrell Williams gone. A B obviously didn't work out. If they're if you're paying this much money for all of these guys for the, for none of the signings to work out, for me that signals a problem. Um, whether it's in their culture or in their coaching, whatever it is, in my opinion, or maybe even their evaluation of free agents to be overpaying them, I think there's got to be a problem. Let's move on quickly. The franchise tag deadline was yesterday, so we learned you know, what players were and were not tagged Galladay and Aaron Jones, kind of the headlines who were not Um, the Bucks tagged Godwin Marcus Williams, the safety for the saints was a surprise tag. Leonard Williams, Allen Robinson, Cam Robinson, the Jaguars tackle Taylor Moton, the Panthers tackle Marcus may Justin Simmons, some safeties and then Brandon Sheriff on the football team. Leon, in your opinion, is there a best and a worst hit tag in this, in this group? <laughs> uh i don't see any uh I, I like the chris godwin tag
3: but i don't really understand like the o-line tags like cam robinson like you saw uh trent brown was an option in the trade market i know trent brown is definitely better than cam robinson i don't understand
1: why and don't you just go out what he's cheaper too i mean it seems like the patriots reduced his salary to what 11 million dollars for one year cam robinson could be you know 14 million exactly that's, that's what i'm saying like you saw the like you can easily trade for good old line. There's
3: a, there's a lot of available old lines like coming back this year, like Kyle Long coming back about retirement, and many other more's, many other more. So I don't understand what the tagging of Cam Robinson. I just don't like that tag. I guess.
1: Alex, is there any that stand out to you as terrible or great tags?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think like uh, what Leon said, the Cam Robinson tag. Like, why why are you tagging some guy like that when you can go out and get Trent Brown and reduce the salary to 11 million? a great point uh, i i don't like the alan robinson tag though either i mean i think you're kind of forcing a guy who clearly doesn't want to be in chicago anymore because he's got to have whoever mitch trubisky and and nick Foles throw to him i mean let him go somewhere else or, or try and you know trade him or something like that i don't think tagging him for this year is a is great point unless they unless they decide to trade him i think tagging him and keeping him is a bad idea you're just forcing a guy who doesn't want to be there to to stick around
2: yeah I think I, he might want to stick around for a little guy named Russell Wilson to maybe come by and throw him the ball a little bit.
1: No, he does not want to stick around.
4: Yeah, may, maybe, but, but like, what, what are the the odds that happens? You know, Seattle's not going to let him go. The Bears are the number one team right now. Yeah, but like he wants to be, he
1: wants a long or... team deal. He doesn't want the tag. Not many players enjoy the oh. tag. And Allen Robinson, you know, could have gotten a huge deal on the market. I think him and Godwin getting tagged just opens up Kenny Galladay's paycheck and his bank account is about to get a huge deposit in free agency. I think the worst tag in my opinion was um, Marcus Williams, the safety for the saints. I mean, they're in so much cap debt. I was amazed to see that they were tagging a safety um, when it seems like, you know, they've got some versatile guys in um, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson and and, uh, Malcolm Jenkins. I was surprised that they really paid that much money for a safety in their cap, situ- cap situation with all the safeties they have. Um, so that was one that kind of stood out to me. And then you mentioned the Aaron Jones and Kenny Galladay tags that, that didn't happen, you know, the Packers and the Lions, both seeming to let them walk unless they can get a long de- long-term long deal done. In your opinions, guys, where are two uh, where are teams that those two guys should land?
4: Uh, G- Galladay's got to go to the Ravens. They, they need receiver help bad, bad they have no help over there. Lamar Jackson it'd be so helpful if you had I mean think about think about this Ravens offense with a big body, jump ball, physical guy like Kenny Galladay is who when Lamar Jackson maybe gives him a wobbly pass or it's a little too high or whatever it might be, they can just go out there and snag it and bail him out. Like that is this Ravens team is instantly really scary in uh what are they? AFC I think. Is really scary in the AFC if they go out and get a get a physical guy like Holiday to help out uh, Lamar Jackson. And then on top of that, you've got Marquise Brown, who's like a speedy deep guy, deep route player. Like that, that receiver core is, is a pretty damn good receiver core.
2: I like Aaron Jones going down to Miami with the dolphins. Now they have two first round picks. If Aaron Jones gets there, maybe they pick up Devonta Smith in the draft and someone else with that other first round pick. I think they're a really scary team going into next year, even with to a quarterback.
3: Yeah, I like that Kenny Galladay to the Ravens pick a lot, but I think I think the Colts might be a good option, or like Greeny says, the Jets.
1: I'm I'm with Leon's um, last two options. I think the idea of Galladay to the Ravens is a terrible call, just because I believe if you're the Ravens, are you going to pay a guy you know four years, eighty million dollars to be a receiver? That I mean, we've seen with Marquise Brown, we know he's talented, we know he's speedy. He was a first-round pick. He was the top receiver in that draft, and yet. Lamar just can't hit him. In my opinion, I really don't think paying a receiver $20 million a year is a good investment when you know your offense is one that, you know, relies on the running game and the passing threat is non-existent. And then on the other hand, if you're Kenny Galladay, why would you choose to go to Baltimore where you know, you know, Lamar hasn't shown he can throw the ball consistently to his receivers. Um, so I don't like that call. I think the Colts or the Jets would be a great fit. Put him with the young quarterback and Zach Wilson in New York or bring him to the Colts where they're in need of a receiver, like a true number one. I think that would be great. Aaron Jones to the dolphins. That sounds like a good connection. I'm with Parker on that one. Lastly, before we leave um, the Cam Newton debate is one that's, you know, it's, I thought it was over, but here we have Parker who's trying to make the argument, you know, this week to me that the Patriots need to stick with Cam Newton, that he deserves a second chance and that he's a starting quarterback in this league. So Parker, why don't you try to defend that take? And then, Me and Leon will try to pick you apart.
2: First off, you're wrong. I never said that the Patriots just stick with Cam Newton. I said that Cam Newton deserves a second chance at QB. And I say this because looking at everything that happened last year, you have to look at these guys as the superhumans they are. They are still human. Cam came into a complicated Patriots offense with no offseason, no OTAs, no preseason. And he dominated. He didn't dominate, but he played well for the first few weeks he was there in New England. And then he himself got COVID-19, was out for two weeks, got even more behind that offensive scheme, and then it just all fell apart. And it's not only his fault. The play calling was not great. I mean, they tried making him a running back instead of a quarterback. They tried making him run first. His receivers around him weren't great. You can't blame it all on Cam Newton when his number one receiver is Nikhil Harry and Jason Myers.
1: I believe that this is fair. First off, his name is Jacoby Myers, but we'll continue. Um, I think that... Truly, what the problem was, was Cam Newton just couldn't hit his guys. Obviously, he doesn't have good receivers, and I'm not sure that any quarterback in his position could have you know, made them contenders for the Super Bowl or a good playoff team. I really don't think they were that. But when guys were open, running quick slants, Cam Newton just throwing the ball to their feet. You're watching these games. There's no way in the world you can think, oh, wow, he really looks like he could be a starting quarterback in this league. He didn't show glimpses. He didn't make great throws. He's not the running threat that Lamar is, where you can, you know, devalue his throwing ability. So, in my opinion, you know, you look at the throwing ability that he doesn't have anymore after that shoulder surgery, and you really just can't evaluate him as a starting quarterback. Leon,
3: yeah, the first few weeks of the season doesn't, doesn't give Cam a reason to be a starting quarterback for next year. He's just a, he's a bridge quarterback. He you can he can step in for a few games, but I don't believe Cam should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. His throwing ability is not starter-like, and his running has.
2: His running ability has lack, lack. What's wrong with his throwing ability? Because I pulled up his stats from his MVP season in 2015 and his season this year, and I actually found that his completion percentage was higher this year, including his rushing yards were higher this year too.
1: Yeah, but that that wasn't it. That was was... – Those stats, I'm not positive that those stats are correct because – He literally missed like what two games this year, and he wasn't an insane rushing threat during his MVP season. He was. I'll have to review those statistics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was 500,
2: it was 600 rushing yards, 630 last year. Or no, his MVP season in 2015.
1: Regardless, I think we saw on the field that he just can't produce. And, um, why? Well, do you really? want to feel, well, feel thinking that Cam Newton is the one that can't produce because when guys got open on short routes, not even deep balls because he can't even throw those, but on short routes he missed his receivers consistently. consistently. I didn't
2: get open. That's the problem. The Patriots receivers no. couldn't get. We didn't
1: watch. We didn't watch.
2: I did watch those guys.
1: They would get open. He would throw it to their feet. James White, the guy who's been Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady loved him. Maybe his favorite target, Julian Edelman. Tom Brady's other favorite target. These guys. Literally, he
2: quit win. halfway through. You what? I mean, quit the season halfway through.
1: He didn't quit. He got injured, but when he, he didn't,
2: he went to go have a reparative surgery. He quit the season. Right. Injury. No, he didn't quit. Injury. Every, it's a receiver leaving the season. He could. He could have gotten that surgery at the end of the season during the off season, but he chose not to. He could have played do it. It's not like it's so like, that he can
1: play this next year when they have a quarterback who's competent of a starting position.
2: Right. I'm not saying Cam should return to the Patriots. I'm saying he deserves a second chance as a quarterback.
1: He can, all right. I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. If you put Cam Newton as the Colts quarterback instead of Carson Wentz, can the Colts are or, or do you expect the Colts to make the playoffs? Yes. Are the Colts a Super Bowl contending team with Cam Newton? Yes. Leon.
3: Uh, I don't believe so. But like Parker's saying, where,
1: where do you want Cam Newton to go if he's a starting quarterback? Where do you want him to land? Like, Right. Like what team wants him? You you're the football team. You're the football team. You have that defensive roster. You have Terry McLaurin. You have Antonio Gibson. You have a good roster. If you're the football team, can you realistically look at, look at Cam Newton? You know, um, uh, Rivera knows Cam Newton well. He knows the playbook that works with him. If you're the football team, do you honestly think Cam Newton's your best bet? Like, there's no way. Marcus Mariota is better. Alex Smith is better. They just cut Alex Smith. How are they going to downgrade? Marcus
2: Mariota is better?
1: Of course, by a lot. That is not true. Mm. That is not true. I
2: disagree. Cam Newton Newton doesn't need 5,000 yards to be a good quarterback. That's the thing about him.
1: What makes him a good quarterback?
2: His ability to run and aim plays.
1: But he's not the runner that Lamar and um kyler like he's not that guy anymore he used to be and he He took he never
2: was like he doesn't need to be be he doesn't need to be that run first guy he still can throw the ball
1: he can't throw the ball well enough to um be a serious throwing threat to the defense why not because he can't hit a receiver 10 yards down the field he just throws every time
2: Right, Brennan's. Brennan saw one incomplete pass, and now he's saying that Cam Newton can't throw the ball.
1: No, no. I watched every game all year long. Man, what, you, name, name you, throw, you Name throw
3: a throw it back and just straight to the ground.
1: Name a throw that amazed you all year. Name a throw that really stuck out. It Was a great throw, Cam.
2: Name a specific throw that was bad. Name a specific one.
1: He threw the ball to Jacoby Myers' feet like four times against the what Jets. What we What
4: we Watch
3: the Bills game. Bills Patriots game. He he was really threw the ball watch? straight to the ground the whole first half. What he what got benched in the
2: second half. Quarterly.
1: There was four thousand examples, so we don't have the exact quarter. I didn't ask you for a quarter. Give me I, I can find I can find a bunch of examples of him throwing a good throw, but I just don't memorize the not a good throw. Fight. A great throw. A, th- a throw that stood out to you. Wow, that was a great I, throw. I could I could find some. I could I'm find some, sure but I can't good. name
2: you the time and place.
1: Well, if you watch the Patriots games, you would understand that he didn't make them. They they aren't I like on the-, the
2: Patriots games, big guy. All he right. had – all right, if Tua finished – if Tua played all 16 games this year, Cam Newton still would have had more yards probably and a better completion percentage so far than Tua did in the opening game.
1: And I think the Dolphins should get rid of Tua. Why are you comparing him uh, to – Leon, to you, Leon
2: you don't think the Dolphins should get rid of Tua? What's for, your, what's your situation? Tua was a rookie like
1: his first year. No? And Tua Cam Newton
2: Tua, proved he's been good in the NFL.
1: How are you going to compare their stats when Tua played, what, maybe half of the Dolphins' snaps this year? Constantly.
2: No, I – Tua you, played 11 games with 1,800 passing yards. Cam played
1: 16 games with 2,600. You're comparing
3: Tua? You're comparing Cam Newton to Tua, who's
2: probably a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. He's he a rookie.
1: Quarterback's last season. All right,
2: so You guys think Cam Newton's not a starting quarterback, so what's wrong with that comparison, on. Hold on. Leon? Hold on. You am say well, saying that Tua's a rookie. He's out. his first year. And-
1: you say that – did we lose our connection? All right, I think we had some technical difficulties there. We're going to wrap up the Zoom there. We're going to leave it on that note. Pretty heated debate there. Clearly, we disagree about Cam Noon. We'll have to see what the Patriots do this offseason. I could see them being really aggressive. I mean, you see guys like Van Noy and Malcolm Butler getting cut, ex-Patriots. Could they make a return Such a, like just like Trent Brown? We'll see. I hope they get a receiver. I hope they go after a guy like Jimmy G. And uh, we'll see what they do this offseason. All right, welcome into the college basketball segment of our E.O. Smith Sports Talk podcast, episode 18, I believe. We haven't had many college basketball segments, but obviously a busy time of the year. March Madness around the corner. We've got, you know, uh, tournaments going on now. The Big East tournament starting up for the Huskies. Let's start with UConn and we'll start with the men's team because they've got some big wins. They've got momentum rolling. They're heading into the Big East tournament. Um, They've got a game in a couple days here. Leon, what does UConn need? to contend in the Big East and then beyond into the NCAA tournament.
3: They need the supporting cast to be great. We know James Knight; he's a lottery pick. He's gonna, he's gonna shine. We need RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, Sanogo, and Isaiah Whaley to play well. And I believe if they do, I'm gonna keep with my prediction from the beginning of the year, they're gonna win the national championship.
1: I like it, I like it. Alex?
4: That might be the dumbest take I've ever heard. This team is not winning the national <laughs>
5: championship.
4: That's stupid. Uh, But they will win the Big East. I think they will. Villanova is probably going to be their toughest competition, but UConn number three in the Big East right now. I think if book night shows up, they just have to play good basketball, and I think they're going to win the Big East.
1: Look, UConn fell to Villanova, what, last week or two weeks ago, but since then, Colin Gillespie, who's one of the best players in the country, in my opinion, Villanova's stud is out, injured, I believe. So I don't think he's playing for either the rest of the Big East or the rest of the season. I think he has like an MCL, so I think he's out for the rest of the year. Um, if Colin Gillespie doesn't play, UConn should definitely be in the top two in the big east and Creighton is, you know, maybe better than them. I mean, Creighton beat them once or twice, I think, this year. But in my opinion, I think Leon's right. You look at RJ Cole and Isaiah Whaley, two key players, two key players to the um UConn success in the tournament, especially because we know Book Knight's gonna come through. We know that he's gonna deliver in these big games. We know how many points he can get but we know he's a liability defensively. That's where Isaiah Whaley comes in. Isaiah Whaley is so underrated on the defensive end of the floor. Now, his offensive game, you know, he needs, he's, he needs to improve his offensive game to play a professional basketball. I'm not sure that he's that level of a player. But for UConn, as a, as a defender, a role player, and a rebounder, he is so important to their success. Alex, I'm curious, between Sunogo and Josh Carlton, which guy do they need more from to win? Uh, I'd say
4: probably Carlton in my opinion.
1: I'm going with Sonogo. I think Sonogo has more upside, more potential for the Huskies. Um, I, I believe that, you know, you can expect more from Sonogo. although Carlton might be a nice role player off the bench for them. Um, and then you look at the wings. I mean, they've got Tyler Polly and Andre Jackson, two young, two young guys. Polly's now a senior, actually, but Andre Jackson, the freshman, been playing well lately. Leon, in your opinion, which of those two guys is more important?
3: Tyler Pauly. We saw when Tyler Pauly had that stretch of gains when he was on fire from Dury and we saw how UConn easily handled the wins and the wins. I believe Tyler Pauly, if he can keep up the shooting, UConn has a great chance.
1: Yeah. And not only the men's program is doing well for them, for the UConn Huskies, the lady Huskies are also balling. They look like the clear favorites this year. Paige Beckers is nasty as a freshman. She's carrying that team. Leon, I'm curious I mean, she's already putting herself into the all-time greats of Huskies discussion. I'm curious where you think she ranks. Does she look like she's poised to be the best UConn basketball player of all time?
3: Yeah, she's hands down period the best. She's better than Brianna Stewart. She is, she is the best Husky to ever come out of UConn. Better than Ray Allen, the best Huskies.
1: Alex, do you agree with that?
4: Uh, What? Uh, no, obviously not. <laughs> it's been, UConn is one of the most storied college basketball programs in history. I mean, like, who hasn't, who of the WNBA and NBA, like, insanely talented players haven't come out of UConn? I mean, yeah, you got, like, guys like Ray Allen in the NBA. Like, he's a legend. No way you're going to say anything about what's his paid I, Beckers or whatever.
1: I no. think you're talking about the greatest Sorry, I think when you're talking about the greatest Huskies of all time, they're all on the women's side, in my opinion. When you look at Brianna Stewart, Diana Tarazi, I mean, you look at these girls that have come through UConn, they're so nasty. And I think Brianna Stewart will go down as the greatest Husky of all time. And I'm not, I don't believe that Buchers will pass her because, um, you know, to win four national championships in four years from Brianna Stewart, to win a WNBA MVP in what, her first, second season. She tore her Achilles. She comes back and she wins finals MVP. She wins the finals. I mean, her accomplishments are so incredible that it doesn't even seem like Paige Beckers could possibly surpass her. Leon, is this something that, I mean, you see she's a more talented player. You, You could see her winning more than Stewart. I mean, how in the world do you think she passes Stewart as the greatest Husky of all time?
3: I've been watching her since high school. She has been downing since high school, and she's downing at a college level. I bet you she's going to win four straight national championships. UConn they're going to win this year, and then UConn's gaining getting the number one player next year, and they're going to win three more. And Paige Beckers going to the WNBA is going to be a number one draft pick and win multiple championships, MVPs too.
1: As far-fetched as it sounds, I think you're right that you know it's really not that far-fetched for UConn to win four national championships. She will be the best player in the country for the next four years. There's no doubt about that. They have Kristen Williams, who what, is a sophomore or a junior maybe at this point. She's a stud. She's one of the best players in the country. They have that girl, uh, Nika, the point guard. I, I think she's a stud. I think her and Bukers will be a great pairing for four years. She's a freshman as well. I mean, they've got a lot of talent, young talent on that roster. Um, they have a couple players on Team USA. I think you know if she can win four titles, that's her chance to pass through it as the greatest of all time. But I think also looking at the, the professional accomplishments, considering that, if you are considering that, it's going to be super hard to, to get, you know, an MVP, a finals MVP, a, a championship, to, to get all of the accolades that Stewart has piled up.
4: Wait, wait, wait. The- hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Pa- Paige Buchers-Beckers, however you say her name, has played less than a full season of college basketball yet. And we're talking about her winning finals MVPs in the WNBA, MVPs, multiple finals. What? Where did this come from? She haven't even finished her freshman year of basketball. She's a great player, but I'll like when you are so she's far ahead of she is a door. Like, we're sitting here like completely shooing in the fact that she's gonna be the Like number one, head and shoulders, not even close by a mile. Number one player in women's college basketball for the next four years, and they're going to win four straight NBA finals or sorry, NCAA championships. It's like for you guys, this ain't even a question. It's like, oh yeah, this is obviously going to happen. Let's talk about her WNBA career. What? No.
1: The four titles is not obvious. I think it's very possible. But when you look at her being the the best player in college in women's college basketball for the next four years, it is undeniable unless she gets hurt, unless she tears her Achilles or tears her ACL. There's no way in the world a player is coming in and being better than her. You look at her, as Leanne mentioned, she's been storied throughout high school. She's 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 been super famous. She comes into Yukon all these expectations and she didn't disappoint. She's been the best player in the country as a freshman. Just imagine what Gino will do to her in four years. She will be she will be historic. She's already been historic. She's setting records. She's what the first player to like win all you know the best freshman of the year and the best player country best player in the country and the best player in the biggies. I mean, she has every single award in women's college basketball right now. There's no way in the world you can imagine that in the next four years someone's surpassing her as the best player in college basketball.
4: I mean, I guess let's just talk about our WNBA career then. Um <laughs> I wanna talk about I want to talk about national championship predictions. So so for for men's college basketball, but just to reference. So Gonzaga has played really the really, number one team in the country, undefeated so far. Scraped by BYU yesterday um, in their uh, WCC Commerce Championship. Is this team like the undeniable championship favorite right now? Like, are, oh, are there your no. pick for the championship?
1: No, it is not no. locked. They're the best team in the country right now. When you look at last night, they barely beat BYU. You mentioned it. They beat them on in the last couple minutes, last couple seconds even. Um, Jalen Suggs, their number one guy, hitting big shots. We know he can deliver. But is that team good enough when they're sneaking past BYU, who isn't even ranked in the top 25 in the country? How in the world could you say Gonzaga is a clear favorite to win the title? You look at a team like Baylor. I mean, you you look at these rankings even. Illinois, Michigan. Michigan is my favorite to win the title this year because I love what Juwan Howard is doing in Michigan. I think they really have it in that team. They're not, you know, star dominant. They're really you know, a well-balanced team. They are, they're, you know, they have a great record. They're 19-3. Now Gonzaga's 24-0. So how are you gonna argue with their record? You look at these games that they're you know, sneaking past, and BYU is not a good enough team to be sneaking past. If you're sneaking past BYU, you're going to have a whole lot of trouble in the tournament when you play Baylor, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, Alabama, Houston, Arkansas, Ohio State, West Virginia, the top 10 teams. If you play any of those, in my opinion, Gonzaga is not a lock for the title.
4: Yeah, I'm with you, and I think Michigan, Michigan, gets, Michigan gets it done where it's important, and that's the free throw line, especially coming down the stretch. It's the free throw line, and it's the three-point shooting. Gonzaga, we, we've seen it this year. They've had some struggles with the three-point line. They're not as effective shooting from distance as Michigan is. Michigan's a better three-point shooting team. They're a better free-throw shooting team, I believe, as well. And that's going to be important coming down the stretch in these close March Madness games when you're playing, you know, really competitive opponents, um, which Gonzaga hasn't done a ton of this year. I mean, they have some good wins. But just as a general rule, like the Big Ten is far more talented when it comes to teams uh, than uh, than wcc is and so i think gonzaga similar to kentucky in 2015 we were talking about this you know this undefeated team coming into the bracket undefeated undeniable number one team i think there's no chance that they they make it into the final four i'll say that
3: well you know my pick i believe uconn is gonna be a dual championship this dual do champion this year the 860 is gonna be on top
1: again it would be great if they can get the dual championships again um, I mean, the women look like favorites. And if, if you think the men can pull it off, that would be incredible. Um, my pick for national championship would be Michigan, but my sleeper pick for those trying to bet on some upset games, look at San Diego state, 20, and four. They're the 19th best team in the country. They keep sliding up. And then my real favorite is Loyola Chicago, the 18th ranked team in the country, 24 and four. Their record is one of the best in the country, but they're getting slept on because they're such a small school You look at Loyola, Loyola, Chicago, sorry. They had a great upset win, what, two, three years ago in the tournament. This is a team that always shows up come tourney time, and they're looking nicest here. They're ranked 18. They keep sliding up more and more every single week. They're piling up wins. They have four losses. To look at them as not a threat to these big-name teams, in my opinion, would be a big mistake.
4: Uh... Moving on to our soccer segment the USMS Sports Talk podcast. We've got some really interesting storylines to cover. Uh, Champions League was on yesterday. We got Champions League on later today. Uh, by the way, Porto and Dortmund will move on, taking out Sevilla and Juventus. Let's talk about the Juventus game. This is a really good game for those of you who missed the 3-2. Uh, I believe it was, three forget the aggregate score, but Uh, Porto will move uh, move on on away goals this will be the second year in a row in which Juventus has been eliminated in the last 16 for uh, Ronaldo I mean he left having won three straight titles with Real Madrid to be knocked out in the quarterfinals and then knocked out twice in the round of 16 is there any chance that he moves on from Juventus this summer I mean like he's not winning there it seems as if to me like is there any chance he moves to another league
6: Um, personally, I think, I mean, especially if they don't win Serie A, which it looks like they won't, but, um, I mean, I think he, he leaves to Man United. There were rumors about this earlier this year when Juve wasn't really having any problems. Like, I think he kind of wants to move back to his old club. I think I want to see him move back to Man United. That'd be cool to see, especially if if Man City signs Messi, like, that'd just be, like, like El Clasico Part Two, so I mean I think I think he should move. Just like if he can do it in the Premier League, then like at this age, that'd just be incredible. So
4: yeah, I mean, that, that certainly would be interesting. But and and I'm I'm sure next season. I mean mentioned mentioned am like second in in the Premier League right now, they would be competing for uh, in the Champions League. Cristiano Ronaldo would be a big addition up front. Um like the is it even like the same I don't even know if I want to see City sign Messi and United sign Ronaldo because I just it just wouldn't be the same like they'd get to these two teams and you know it's no longer it, it just it wouldn't feel the same to me as those classic Barcelona Real Madrid classes it's almost kind of like two retire, retirement home guys who just aren't the same battling with their army of amazing support casts instead of them being like the two headliners in an epic Titan-esque clash between Barca and Madrid. I I almost want to see him go to like Germany or or, or France or something like that and I mean he's been to every other league besides those two and it'd be interesting to see how well I mean obviously he would he would dominate in these places but the competition is not as good and if you go to a team like PSG or Bayern, you're, you're relatively uncompetitive in domestic league. And then when you go play in the Champions League, you're well-rested and ready to go. And plus, you have an army of, of guys who are really, really good around you. You had a chance to push for some, from some titles right there, which I just don't think he's doing at Juventus.
5: Yeah, I have to agree with Alex on that one. If we see these two stars go to one league, there's just going to be these two teams playing each other in the future, then it's just going to be, well, what's the, where's the interesting part? Where's the little, where's the underdogs that come through and maybe beat these teams? Cause we're not going to see a lot of teams that are, are not as good beating Man City and Man United. If they have two of the best soccer players in the world.
2: Yeah. I, I'm with Nick on this one. Uh, I, so uh, let's talk about Liverpool real quick. Liverpool is
4: like seventh or something right now in the Premier League. Outside of any, any position to compete in European football next season, uh, if they maintain that, is there any chance that Klopp gets fired this year?
0: No, no chance. I, I, I think that he's too beloved by Liverpool supporters, having won them their first title in 30 years, and having won them a you know, Champions League the year before that uh yesterday it was announced that um Joachim Love will be resigning or retiring from the German national team uh come the end of the Euros and Jurgen Klopp already said that he would not be open for that position which he's kind of been touted to maybe take over um on that you know with that last year being on his Liverpool contract I believe until 2022 but he's already said that he won't do it that he's going to run out his contract and maybe sign a new one so I think even You know, even with one bad season showing what he can do, I just don't think that it would be a smart decision by the Liverpool board to fire him after a an injury riddled performance. I guess that a lot of it, though, it could be being a bit too cocky after coming off of a very good um, Premier League win and a very poor Champions' defense. I think that it may not. The board may need to realize that it may not all fall on Klopp, and that it it's just kind of a a bad flip of the coin.
4: Okay.
6: I think, um, just to comment on that real quick, I saw an interview with Steven Gerrard and I thought it was really interesting about, um, like he was just, he was saying something similar to Austin, just like the fans love Jurgen Klopp too much. Like, uh, it's like, I think, I mean, as a, like a a fan, I want to see like Gerrard be Liverpool's manager. I mean, that'd just be incredible. Like arguably their best player of all time, going and um, becoming their manager. I mean, he's winning at Rangers right now, so what's to stop him? But I mean, I think like just it would be it'd be a rough like it'd be rough press for Liverpool to get rid of Klopp like this. All
4: right, let let me ask you both this. Let's assume that the very very worst case scenario plays out in which they're eliminated. They're up two goals right now on Leipzig, but they're eliminated by Leipzig in the Champions League. They stay at eight, where well, they're eighth right now in the Premier League. Tottenham and Everton and West Ham are all above them. Um, they're eighth in the in the Premier League right now. They stay at eighth and they finish eighth. Is he still not fired? Like, they're, they're out early in the Champions League. They're eighth in the Premier League with no chance of playing... Uh, European football next season I and mean, they're only they're only shot right now if results you know if the champions league ended right or if the Premier League season ended right now is to win the Champions League in order to secure them a guaranteed spot next year. Like that's it. And if they get eliminated, there's no chance that they're playing like are the fans gonna be still riding with Klopp after that?
6: I mean, I think like if I I think no one really puts the blame on Klopp. I mean, like I think the issue would be like players. If I was Mohamed Salah or Virgil van Dijk or Mane, I'd want to play in the Champions League. I'm one of the best players in the world. So, I think that's going to be an issue for them if they don't get a Champions League spot. But, right, I don't think anyone's putting the blame on Klopp. Like, I don't think changing a manager would, like, make the players more likely to stay. I think if they don't, if they don't get, if they're not in the Champions League next year, most of those players will either I I I'm, I, I think that the players will want to leave just because I mean why wouldn't they? That's
5: I kind of have to disagree a little bit. Like if I'm Van Dyke coming off off prior to a winning season beforehand, and we see that this season obviously isn't the best season; it's not a winning season. I wouldn't blame my coach. I just blame the unexpected injuries that our whole team has had and just the unfortunate. I feel like you still, like, we see teams have bad seasons all the time that obviously have better potential, but you can't just go downhill after that and blame everything on the coaches or blame anything, everything on a certain game or a certain situation. I feel like just this year wasn't their year and they didn't live up to our expectations coming off of last year's performance.
6: Yeah, I know that yeah. was what I was saying. Just don't blame Klopp.
4: All right, let's move on now to Champions League projections. So PSG and Barcelona played tonight, and this is something that me and Thad were talking about a lot off air. Thad, I, I just had I have to clarify for the viewers: Do you legitimately think that Barcelona will move on?
6: I, I think they can. I, I, I think. Okay. I think that I, I. I I think they will. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say,
4: Thank I. You think down four one they're moving on?
5: That is a very yes. bold statement, especially with Neymar in the lineup. That is. I very- would back <laughs> it up. He's still not a hundred percent. He
4: trained. They ruled him out for it. Uh,
5: okay, so
6: um, he like they have the best player of all time. I, I still hold the best player in the world right now. I, I like I think he can do anything. I know we can do anything. And they have talent that, when we watched their first game, like, there were great moments from Dembele, great moments from Dest, great moments from Pedri, great moments from Trincao, great moments from Wee Quee. Like, if these guys, if we start Trincao and Pedri, and we start, and we just put Dest and Mingueza on Mbappe, instead of putting a freaking PK and Busquets. That is game, like and we put Debeli up top and Griezmann, and we force him, Griezmann and Messi just to stay up there and beat Marquinhos and Kembe. That is game over. And I mean, I know I'm not necessarily like I stay loyal to Bayern, but Barca all the way for this
5: game.
4: So I mean, so I can kind of see that,
5: where Thaddeus is coming from. You, you to be honest, like,
4: but but is but that is that enough? to make up four – that's what they're going to need is four goals.
0: Crazier things have happened this – I mean, this Champions League season. Porto – Porto go through and they beat out Juventus in in one of the – I think probably one of the crazier games that we've seen over the past maybe three, four, five seasons, probably since the last remontada in 2017.
4: I'm going to interrupt you. What an amazing game it is. And, and like, we've seen Juventus be one of the most – poorly run clubs this whole year like it's an incredible game but are you really shocked when when Andrea Pirlo has his team like fifth in the Serie A and would, a league they've won like nine years straight or whatever they've, they've won successively uh, a ton of times in recent years uh is, is it really that shocking when they go down 2-1 in the first leg like I mean, it's they,
0: shocking they, they the, team the team that they went series. down against it is shocking that yeah. it was Porto. It's, any other it's, team it's... I would have understood them going down but Porto is such a team that is such a lower caliber than Juventus, and they lose, right? They 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 fail to make it through. And I think that with the quality that Barcelona do have, I think that it will be, you know, it'll it'll be an incredible thing to see if it does happen. And I I'd like it to happen. And I I I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility. It's closer than the remontado was in 2017. It's closer than it's about the same as within uh, when United beat back PSG in, in 2018. It's those margins. And I think that Barcelona have the ability, like Thad was saying, I think they have the ability and the quality, if they play well, to overturn that deficit.
4: Okay, so PSG, this, this is well, close to the Remontada. I, I will give you that. But here's, there's no Suarez to get that early goal in the Remontada. There's no Neymar to get two goals in the 88th and 90 minutes. For Barcelona. There's no Neymar
0: for the PSG squad either, though. You have to
4: think not, about that the, as well. But PSG don't need Neymar for this game. Like, they just they just need to show up and play relatively good solid defensive football with good counterattacking which they can do they're an amazing counterattacking team so if they're just okay on the counterattack and they play relatively good soccer good football whatever you want to call it they're in, they're through probably with another two goals tacked on like okay oh
6: barcelona, barcelona, barcelona,
4: so, barcelona are so shockingly old and slow when it comes to defense. There's no chance that they can even keep up with, like, Keane and Icardi. It's not oh happening.
6: Oh, my gosh. Okay. But who's,
4: who's I, to say
0: that Marc-Andre Ter Stegen doesn't have an incredible game today? Who's to say yeah, that, and you know, PK doesn't pull something out of his hat, right? Well, I don't think anyone, actually any Barca I, fans actually want PK to play. Like, I, I don't. He, I personally don't. But I'm saying, what if? What if? You have to yeah. think of the possibilities that are there with the talent that they have, the young talent. Uh, Sergio Dest, he could pull something today, where he could really shut Barcelona down coming down uh, coming off the counter attack.
4: So
6: wait, we let literally me just saw Barcelona really come say. back from two 0 down to Sevilla like a week ago. Like exactly to no. say they won't do it again, but so, that's so, so, so Sevilla. Where, that's
5: where, not where PSG.
4: Your, your argument for why Barcelona is ba- is is going to move on is that a bunch of players who haven't done it yet and didn't do it against PSG the first leg are going to suddenly pull some magic out of the hat. And, and and it's going to be enough to put him through. I don't the think Champions
6: it's League, a sketch of but I think, I think it'll be, like, Dest had a good game. Dest had a or... good game, Isaac. A- a- Alex, like, Dest and bigueza also, like, when they were on Mbappe, it, that was not, like, he was not doing anything. Mbappe, if you, like, watch the whole game over again, Mbappe did not take Dest on once. He tried to stay, he tried to get away from Dest, but, like, and we have then migueso when he went on he was dominant back there like De Jong if he like he can shut down all, i i think he has the talent to have an attacking presence and shut down verati and adris again and pedri can take them both on 10 times out of 10 he's considerably faster than both of them are so like they can dominate the midfield and if they just attack, 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 put numbers up there to be PSG's like drop back eight guys in a box kind of tactics, then they can totally win this game.
4: Okay. Here's, here's why PSG, when you bring up, you bring up all the points, great points from last time. Like, yes, these, di- these things did happen. Des played really well uh, against Mbappe and he'll probably start in this game as well. Here's why PSG moves on one. They're the more experienced team Two, they're the more talented team. Their players are just better. Like you can talk all about how, how much great potential Pedri and Trincao and all these really young guys for Barcelona have, they haven't done it yet. They're not yet ready to compete with these experienced bets that PSG has. I mean, their team is going to come into this game experienced from a great champions league season last year. They have uh, Murcio Pochettino at manager who I think we can all agree is considerably better than Ronald Koeman Pochettino will have had, at least at this point... A much- I do
6: not agree with that. I do not agree.
4: Coleman's not a good manager, and, and Coleman would be a better manager if he wasn't so low in La Liga right now. I think Mauricio Pochettino is, is a far more experienced and better manager who's just beginning to implement a system at PSG. He'll have a full month to analyze the results of last game. He'll have a full month to realize why they were so successful on the attack and, and why PSG or why Mbappe was so ineffective against, against Dest, how they can handle the midfield if they decide to come out. And and try and dominate the midfield, like you said, he'll have a full month to analyze that and come up with a counter plan. They have talent, like I said, they have talent all over the field. Like I, it would be closer if Mbappe wasn't playing. I'll admit that. Like I, I think yeah. Mbappe would have a legitimate chance if Mbappe wasn't playing. But it's so it is it is nearly impossible with with PK, who's going to be like you know when you when you push so high, the guys who stay back are normally your center backs or a defensive midfielder, right? PK and, and Sergio Busquets would be those two guys, and they would get absolutely blazed on the counterattack with Mbappe. Like, they, there's no
6: okay, chance. Like, Ronald Kuman, he is the one of he's a top ten center back of all time. He knows what he needs to do now. He knows that he can't put PK Busquets near Mbappe because they're just gonna get destroyed. Like, it's not gonna be good. So, what? And like, you're acting like Barca's eighth and La Liga, they're second right now from Atletico. PSG is second to Real. Like, there's no you can't compare their league results right now and, and in PSG, in the French league in the French league, Alex. Like, it's and, not a competition.
4: PSG lost so many games. They have like six losses right now, which is the most of any of the teams near the top of the table. All of those came under Tuchel. They've only lost like once or twice under Pochettino. Like, they've been really effective in the league. You can't you can't just say Ah, Kuman's better because he's he's higher. He, like he's second in in La Liga, which is a better league, and, and PSG's second in Liga, which isn't, you know, it's not as good. Like, yeah, that's true. Wait, but and that, Kuman, that's a valid. was not
6: given Mbappe, Neymar, Verratti, Gay, Kempe, Marquinhos. He was given some old dudes and some young dudes and no money. And this is what he's done. And this team, I have unbelievable faith in these young faith in these young players. Like, I think that. Pedri and and Trinkau and Riqui and Dumbella, these guys will be the best players in the world soon. And they, we can see, we've seen that level of talent from them, and we've seen them perform at like world class levels at times. And we, I have only, like I faith in these guys that they will do it again, and that they will defeat PSG.
0: Alex, okay. oh, real quick, real quick. I just have a before we go. I have a quick question for you. So you yeah. say these players, the you know the Trinkaus, the Pedries, the, the 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 Anzufadis, that they haven't done it yet. When are yeah, they going to get that chance? When if when are they going to show that? If not now, if not today, when does that chance come? I think that today would season. be the perfect example of where they can go out and they can perform. They can work. They I mean they can play as hard as they've ever played
4: in their lives. It doesn't. And if it they doesn't do happen. well it doesn't happen overnight where it's just like, you suddenly like all these players suddenly are like, okay, like, boom, let's slip a switch. We're ready to go. We're ready to be world-class players. That's something that happens over time.
0: Mentalities change. Mentalities can change where you think, you know, we're down, we're down three goals to one or four goals to one rather we're down three goals. We need this attack. We need the power up front. We need the passing. We need everything. And we need that solid defense, right? It's the mindset that goes, okay, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to leave everything out on the field. And I am going to, I'm going to work. I'm going to work the best I can. Right. And I think that the Champions League, the tournament that it is, I would not be surprised if we see that tonight.
4: All right. Let's let's just get some predictions for this game. We've we've been talking about this a little too long now. Let's get the predictions for this game, and we'll, we'll see how we compare next week. So put me on the record books. PSG win this win this upcoming game uh, two to one, and they're going to move on on aggregate six two.
6: I think five one Barca. I can't see them shutting down Mbappe the whole game, but yeah, I
0: I don't know about a, a direct score for that game, but I think the Barca do go through. Yeah, it's, it's going to be close, but I think they go through.
5: Honestly, I like for me, I can't even choose right now, so I just I'm just gonna wait to watch the game and see what happens because I don't want to say anything and be wrong. I just want to watch the game and enjoy the game and just see who wins.
4: Sorry, so Nick's taking a bit of a boring approach here. That'll be enough for our, <laughs> our soccer segment for the US Men's Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you, and we'll see who's right next week. This podcast was modified and produced by the prestigious editor, Gabriel Aguero. See you next week.